If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to Newborn Mothers Podcast and today we have a really special guest. It's uh, an author, Jenny Allison, who's also an acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner. Um, And Jenny, your book, Golden Month, is one of my favourite books of all time for new mums. I really, really love it. So it's such a pleasure to have (laughs) you here. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and thank, thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. So it turns out we have a friend in common, which was um, very fortuitous. So we we reached out and and here we are, which is very special. Now, you've been doing this work on well-being and and Chinese medicine for 20 years, I think now, uh, and learned from many, many different countries. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do and what inspired you to write write the book? Oh, and I have to tell you the the subheading for the book. So it's called Golden Mm -hmm. Month. Caring for the world's mothers after childbirth, which I love because, again, it's such a visionary title, isn't it? It really is like, you know, doing this for everyone. Well, yes, and, I mean, that was my discovery when I started to research it, that actually the practices um, are universal and that really gives them a lot of power. They're very powerful. Um, so so I, I kind of first got interested in this when I finished my acupuncture training in 1984 and and then I had the birth of my first baby and I, I sort of knew the bare bones of the Chinese idea of sitting the month, Zoyuetsa it's called. Um, I didn't know the other Chinese name of golden month. So I said to my mother, um, I've got to do 40 days, you, you have to come and help me and she said, yep, okay. So she, <laughs> that was fantastic. She would, um, I'm a twin, and so and my mother herself has had a lot of help when she gave birth to us, because everyone gives more attention to mothers with twins. So she was really willing to come and help, and and although she didn't know the, she didn't know all the ins and outs and the special food, she gave me what was most essential, which was this incredibly supportive environment where I could rest, where she and my friends. Um, basically did everything for me and it really just it, I, I couldn't imagine how the start it gave me it was just so wonderful so after that um, I became inspired and then my mother-in-law is actually Malian and when I talked to her and actually she's one of the women I interviewed for the book she was also totally inspiring and and I thought hang on what what they're doing in Mali is almost identical in principle to what Chinese medicine prescribes for the postpartum. And so then from that, um, I started to interview women from other cultures and I just realised this incredible wealth of generations and generations of women's wisdom, basically. Yes. Um, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) And and how, how much we had to learn from it. And then I and I realised too that when the women's movement did reclaim birthing in in the seventies and eighties, they didn't reclaim the postpartum because 
by that stage, it was, as midwives now say, the Cinderella period, because it was basically in Western culture forgotten about. So there was no, there were no kind of, there was no formal recognition of 40 days of postpartum. And yet when I started to go into, just from a Western medicine point of view, there were just myriad reasons why the 40 days is, is a good period. To, to designate as the recovery period. Yes, and why it's so and the important. The other thing too. Mm. Yes. I mean, the other thing was is that I, when I started clinic after the birth of my children, I started to see the consequences of of women's lack of support, and um, mothers were just describing mindless exhaustion, and that's what they expected it to be, and and. You know, I was seeing women who were still really chronically depleted months and months and months and even years after they'd given birth. And I I wanted to explain to them that actually there is this other version where the postpartum is is this moment for celebration and and for joy and the whole family works really hard or everyone in the family works really hard to make sure that the mother's basically treated like a queen. Yes. You know, my journey is very similar because I my background was in Indian medicine, Ayurveda, rather than Chinese oh. medicine. But I had a similar experience where I learned about Indian postpartum care and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Like, I need to know more about this. But then what really blew my mind exactly like you was once I started talking to women from other cultures as well, I discovered it was everywhere and it was so universal. Yeah. <laughs> it was so amazing to me that... Um, Everyone was doing this except for us, you know, and we have this big myth. For us. Yeah, we have this big myth in our culture and I, you wrote about it in your book. So I'm just going to read it from your book. But we have this idea, don't we, that um, so from the book, it says the myth still exists about tribal women stopping behind a bush to deliver their baby and then going back in the field to work. But in speaking with these women, it was clearly not the case. Even if they gave birth easily, they rested for at least six weeks afterwards, according to their traditions. When the system broke down, it was usually because the women were not near their usual caregiver or if there was extreme poverty and the breakdown of her community around her. Yeah. And I would even expand that because you've said extreme poverty and the breakdown of her community because I know some women who live yeah. in extreme poverty and still consider it essential to rest yeah. for those 40 yeah. days afterwards. Yes, it's only if they've also lost their community as well, which is really what the patriarchy and, and colonisation and globalisation, all these things, have meant that we have just such a loss of that community now. I think so, yeah. I agree that it's... That, that's a really important point. And, and I think there's a kind of a wonky construction of feminism around the postpartum, which says women, women can do it all. And, you know, it's represented by workplaces saying, look, we've got breastfeeding rooms for mothers. But actually, this is not supporting women's health. And once we know, once anyone finds out the facts of the postpartum, then it's really clear that Actually, this is a momentous transformation in women's lives. Even the transformation happens second baby, third baby, fourth baby. It's not just the first yes. baby. It's it's um, it's a really important period of transition, and it needs to be that women's intuition and their needs around it need to be really respected. 
So we need a different feminist construction around it, I think. Yeah, I think that's really true. It's like we're, we're kind of, you know, like we had such a long way to come, didn't we, with feminism? It's like we had to fight for this and then fight for that. And then also I think we're coming back to a more feminine version of feminism now where you're allowed to rest and be cared for and be part of a community and it, moving away from those masculine values of independence and competition. And, yeah, it's very, very different, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, there's another there's another kind of idea in Chinese medicine too that um, in in going through the process of pregnancy and giving birth, you actually are learning about mothering yourself, so that you can be a mother. And so it's about learning to care for yourself, but just as yourself, not for not to look good for someone, not to be healthy for someone, just for yourself. Um, and then you can actually give energy to, to mothering. But it's very, very important to realize yourself that you have to be nourished. And I mean, that's where we, in Chinese medicine, we've got this tradition called Yangsheng, which is the art of self-cultivation. So it's about cultivating your health. But at this moment, it's really part of the art of self-cultivation is actually realizing that interdependence is really important, that it's not... That, that you don't just do it yourself, that actually what you need to, to do is make everyone aware around you that they are the support team, that they are enabling this for you. So mm. it's, re it's very empowering for women, I think, when they can basically behave like queens and, give them the f and, and have a feeling of entitlement because this is really something that I noticed, and you probably did too when you interviewed women from different cultures, is that of course we're entitled to this. And yes. what goes around comes around. When, when I've had my postpartum and my children are a bit older, I'm going to be helping my sister or my friend. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's true. You know, in our culture, it's not, we're not supposed to be demanding as women, but um, definitely that yes. sense of entitlement is, exists. You know, in Korea, they talk about being pampered. Um, and in Morocco, they treat the, the new mother as a bride. They actually dress her up in, in like wedding clothes and, you know, do a whole lot of beautiful <laughs> facials and massages and the hammam, you know. So it's, it is absolutely expected that, you know, when a woman goes through this, she, she is like a queen. She's like a, a goddess, you know, that, um, that this is such a yeah. monumental thing that she's experiencing that she deserves to be treated in that way. Yes, and, and in, in, in Chinese medicine, they say that birth is a watershed um, so that when you give birth and afterwards, or you, it's a watershed where all the toxins are expelled through the, through the blood and the, the, through the placenta, the expulsion of the placenta through body fluids, through sweating even. But at the same time, there's also this really powerful psychic opening so your body opens to give birth and your psyche opens too. And so it's, it's said that when the mother surrenders to this birth process and she becomes like a conduit for new life, she's in a tremendously powerful state. And so anything she does to influence her health in a positive way will have this wonderful, powerful impact. And conversely, of course, if she doesn't get rest and is very stressed, this will have an ongoing negative impact on her health. 
So there's a beautiful Vietnamese saying that says, a woman is never more beautiful than after the birth of her first child. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It reminds me yeah. of the Ina May Gaskin's quote that, you know, if a woman isn't, oh, I can't remember it exactly, but something like if a woman isn't beautiful in childbirth, it's because someone's not treating her right. You know, she's being disrespected. Oh, um, yes. You know, so that's the same thing, isn't it? If you look at a new mother in our culture and she's mm -hmm. looking exhausted and overwhelmed and, you know, she's probably wearing dirty clothes and hasn't eaten properly and hasn't slept in weeks, you know, but that's not a, that's nothing, that's not a reflection of, of her beauty. That's a reflection of our disrespect. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there was a very interesting study done in, um, in, in the Fijian culture about when a mother falls ill in the postpartum, that's seen as the responsibility of the community having failed. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. really. it's that, that there's a name for it, and it's kind of a conglomeration of symptoms that you could sort of say might be postpartum depression in a mild mm -hmm. sense. But, but, it's, but if, if, if this happens to the woman, then the community gather around and they say, look, we haven't done this properly. We ha it has to be remedied. Wow, that's think, so yeah. powerful because you, you look at our numbers, yeah. and we're getting women we're getting mental health problems at a rate in one in five. So that is such an enormous failing yeah. of our yeah. culture, of our society. Yeah. Um, and, and I just there's want to a, back... There's another... Oh, you go. Sorry. No, look, there's, Sorry. there's another <laughs> lovely concept from, from Maori culture, traditional Maori culture here, which says that the mother is the canoe which conveys life from one generation to the next. And that's, that's sort of the same idea of, of the power of that moment and, and, and how, how much she can be empowered by a, a good process. Yes, I love that. You know, and it um, reminds me of a Native American story where the woman is thought to go into heaven to bring back the spirit of her baby and then the 40 days afterwards oh. are to help bring her body and her baby home safely, you know. So, you know, it can't be a coincidence that all of these women all over the world who would never have been able to communicate with each other, they all had the same sorts of stories and beliefs about the value of, of postpartum care. Um, and yeah. I love I, what I want to say before is I wanted to backtrack a little bit to talking about the brain because you talk, you just mentioned that as well, but the psyche opening up, you know, and that, that transformation of your personality is very can be very overwhelming too in a culture that doesn't explain to you um, what what's going on, you know, or give you any kind of support. Are you listening to this awesome interview with a postpartum professional and thinking that this might be your calling in life too? Do you believe postpartum care could be a respected, valued and well-paid profession but feel frustrated and don't know where to start? Newborn Mothers Collective is online worldwide postpartum training and professional development with over a thousand students from 40 different countries around the world. We value human rights, scientific evidence and diversity and we'd love you to join us at newbornmothers.com. One woman, one patient of mine said to me, it feels like Alice going through the looking glass. Yes, yes. It's like a disorientation and if the more guide that you have, in um, the easier it will be. So yes. I always say to women, you know, if you've got, if you do have a really strong tradition and you're happy to allow your 
grandmother or your mother to 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 bring you through the postpartum in the strong tradition, then you know it's a tremendous. It's like something that will hold you. It, it, and and ritual at times of transition, of course, has this like powerful kind of multiplication effect of of the the positive power of, of the whole thing. Mm. So I don't know if I'm putting it quite the right way, but. Um, no, I know. I, I know exactly what you mean. And one of my Ayurvedic teachers, Isha Oaks, she talks about 40 days for 40 years and the idea that when we care for a woman in that, in that postpartum period, then yes, it does multiply for the, you know, the baby, the community, the whole yeah. family um, for many decades yeah. to come. Um, and there's a beautiful quote as well from your book from a New Zealand Maori um, elder. So her name, I think it's Wei Mason. Am I pronouncing that? Yeah, why, why? Why? So she says, giving birth is yeah. a wonderful gift, but it hurts both the body and the heart. The job of the nannies, the grandmothers and elders, is to help bring the mother back into consciousness so that she can be the source of nourishment to her child. And I, I love that yeah. so much. But... <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's just... A beautiful it's, quote too. Yes, and it's just another way of saying the same thing, isn't it? So where did you find all of these stories? Because, you know, when I talk to a lot of women now, they think that this is dead. They think postpartum care doesn't exist in my culture. I can't do it anymore because no one knows about it. And often I really will encourage them to actually go and find their elders, go and find some people from their um, ancestral background, you know, uh, and, and ask the questions. Because when you do... I think a lot of people are really quite amazed and surprised to find that it's not that long ago um, and that a lot of it still is yeah. in living memory. So can you tell us a little bit about the interviews you've done? Yes, because um, I, was, I was surprised at how, how strong these traditions are. And I think some of the problem is that when um, people um, immigrate to Western countries, Often it's you know the 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 first generation won't be recognized. Their their traditions wouldn't have been recognized around the postpartum, and so they tend to to start to discount them or to even devalue them because their needs aren't met. Um, and so then there isn't anything to pass on. Mm -hmm. But when I talked to these women, um, I actually travelled a bit too, and and this is really where the fun began because women are just so excited to to share this women's mm -hmm. wisdom that really is generations old, hasn't been written down. And in some places, like for example in Greece, um, when Greece joined the EU and it was very important to be, you know, part of Western Europe, I think that a lot of the the fantastic part of their um forty days rituals and and whole practices was just devalued and along with midwives as well but women young women i spoke to in greece are really really keen to reclaim that again mm. um and and i spoke to i spoke to this fabulous druze woman in um, northern israel who who said to me you know the druze are, are a group of people who are really strong on the postpartum tradition and for them bringing a baby into the world is also about the quality of the baby's soul. And so in the postpartum practices that um, are, are nurturing and supporting the mother, 
are also nurturing the incarnation of the baby's soul. So it's um, yeah, it, it, it helps the mother, it helps the baby, and they were one of the rare cultures too that also saw the the Chinese idea is that um, this is why it's called Golden Month because it's a golden opportunity to improve your health. So it's not just about recovery; it's about actually long-term improving your health and resolving old illness. And um, and the Druze community see it the same way. They see it as, as this opportunity to improve your health and resolve old illness. And when I actually started to research about oxytocin, my gosh, it was just so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you that's, that know all about my, oxytocin. that's my other fascination is because it does explain <laughs> oh. it in a way that our culture can understand. Yeah. You know, if you can start to talk about exactly. brain science, then it's no longer an old wives' tale, and I, I hate that word, but it becomes something, you know, valid and respected. So unfortunately, you know, this is a really useful path for us to take now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and oxytocin has this ability to, to dissolve old and traumatic connections and help, help the brain to reconfigure itself, basically, um, to, uh, in a situation of trust and and um, safety, to feel more feelings of belonging, and and of course, in those circumstances, your relationship with trauma, or or whether it's new trauma or old trauma, your relationship with trauma changes. And um, another patient that I can just think of now, she said to me that she had miscarried five miscarriages. But they were late miscarriages and she had an autoimmune problem and she lost babies at 20 weeks, 21 weeks. Finally, she, after the birth of her, her first live baby and her mother was with her and she said she was just, she, she felt the real meaning of that word confinement, that it wasn't like prison, it was actually like this beautiful private space where she could, she said suddenly she just, it was like that process of oxytocin reconfiguring her whole brain around all, all the sadness and the grief that had gone before. And she said she just felt utterly refreshed. A perfect example of oxytocin at work. Mm, that's a beautiful story. And I think that's where feminism sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater a bit too, isn't it? Because we, um, for a while, we thought that uh confinement was a bad thing you know and and in some cultures it has been sort of taken by the patriarchy as a way of controlling women you know i know in england they do um and catholic societies they do a, a churching at 40 days and churching yeah. i'm sure was originally yeah. a way of allowing women to take some time away from their religious duties you like fasting and you know and prayers and things for the family they could just rest for that 40 days but then it became something where the priest actually had power over the mother to say you have been churched now you are free to do what you want to do you know so it, it it's got to be something that the women embrace like you're saying she realized that confinement can actually be a beautiful thing not something that's controlled and put upon them Yes, exactly. And and there's actually been a bit of research also done in Chinese communities in Hong Kong and Taiwan that when when um in the postpartum when practices are imposed on women against their will, they, they have a higher rate of postpartum depression. 
Mm. So it's, it's very, very important that women, as when we go right back to the beginning of our discussion, that they are treated like queens and and they're, that they're empowered as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. If anyone listening wants to learn more about oxytocin research, I did do an, a podcast with Kirsten Uvnas Moberg, who's one of the world leading oxytocin researchers, and that's uh, episode 20 of the podcast, if anyone wants to go back, because it is really a truly fascinating pro, uh, co- uh, topic. And just as Jenny's mentioning, it ties in so amazingly with all of these old traditions, doesn't it? I mean, it's just like, you just read it and you're like, yes, yes, yes. That just makes total sense. It's like, the, you know, putting yeah. the pieces of the puzzle they're together. Yeah. They're basically describing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, now, I wanted to know more about these stories too. How do you find women to ask? I mean, are you just asking anyone you bump into or do you kind of say, like, who's the local midwife? No, <laughs> <laughs> They, um, most of them were word of mouth. There was one woman who was actually doing her masters on um, immigrant women's expectations of how they were being treated in the postpartum in the hospital, and she said, "I'll gather some people. I'll I'll do some emails." And so right. she actually got a few interviews for me. But when I travelled, it was really just like having a connection, and then following that through and as I said one one was my mother-in-law and so she was so keen she said you tell the women of New Zealand that they've got to do their 40 days mm. and that there's money to be made later that they must rest and she said if they if you tell them and they don't listen then you've done your duty <laughs> <laughs> a lovely thing but but she gathered also um two of her in-laws and another friend so we actually interviewed one two three oh yeah no and then we interviewed three women together and um that was a fabulous moment because we recorded it on camera and the cameraman was just so excited about the 40 days because really it's a it's a strong institution in Mali where, where my mother mm. was from and the cameraman was saying yes we run around and we do everything we can to make to make sure that the woman gets what she needs. So, you know, we we play a role too. And, and when I asked her, I said, you know, <laughs> I said to her, what you know, what to, what's the role of men in all this? And she said, oh, we can't do anything without them. They they provide everything for us. Yeah. And then he elaborated by saying, and we run around, you know, really respecting that this is a very important moment for women. Yes, so, so they they going around doing all the practical things so the mother can can rest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That was that was a lovely interview too. So yeah, it's been. I think the people who want to come forward to be interviewed are, are people who are really wanting these traditions to keep going, and so they're very proud, very mm-hmm. proud of of their traditions, which makes it complete delight to interview them. And do you have a plan for these interviews? I mean, are you doing some research or another book or anything like that? Um, I'm actually recording a, a webinar mm. and there are a few vague ideas in the pipeline. Um, yeah, at the moment it's, I'm, I'm focusing on the webinar. Um, but I think that it's just really, really important to keep 
recording and hearing the women's stories and mm, I mean all of it gives weight to our discussion basically. Yes, I love it and, and it's just so close to being lost at the moment in many parts of the world. So like you said, yes. when you find someone yeah. who still knows about it, they're usually just so happy and, and proud that someone's noticed, you know, this important work that they're doing. They're usually very happy to share. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, honestly, I find that, yeah. Well, keep us posted on that webinar because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who would really, really love um, to learn more about those stories when you're ready to share them. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, and I'm really interested to watch your podcast episode 20 on oxytocin. Because yes. Oxytocin is the key. <laughs> oh, it is. And Kirsten's one of my, you know, huge influence on me. I've got all of her very heavy scientific books on my bookshelf. <laughs> so, no, that was an honour. And I think you'd, you'd, you'd love, you know, everything she had to say as well. Um, and tell me, is there anything more that you want to share before we wrap up today? Um, I, I, think that, I think that there's two, two big issues for women, you know, in, in modern Western society. One is this really powerful kind of skinny imperative that you've got to get back into skinny jeans and back to work. And I think, I think it's really strong and that if women are trying to do something around their postpartum um, are aware of the strengths of, of yeah the the internal messages that they also are giving out about that particular situation of um, yeah women can do everything then once you become more aware of actually how deeply entrenched it is and how strong it is then you can kind of take a deep breath and go okay well and I want to do the other version Mm. Um, and then the other thing I think is that it's it's important to really because m most women that, that come to me in clinic don't come from a strong tradition. Some do, but most don't. Um, it's really really important to plan well in advance and and to educate all the people around the woman that um, you know this is the importance of it. This is this is how I I as a mother want it to be done. Mm. Because I think that, I think the, the last thing to say really is that once you know once you know the facts of the postpartum, and then you tune into your own feelings and needs and your own intuition around what you need, and you put those two together, then you can't go far wrong. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And I think your book is a really great place to start. I mean, that your book is a beautiful overview of those postpartum facts and the traditions and stories. Um, so anyone who's interested, it's called Golden Month, oh, Caring you. for the World's Mothers After Childbirth. And it is available, oh, pretty much everywhere, isn't it? I mean, it's widely published. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then oh, you... Thank live you. In, oh, my pleasure. It's, it was, it's genuinely one of my favourite books for mothers. And you are also an acupuncturist, so, so people and can actually come and see you in Auckland, is that right? In Auckland, yes, in, in central Auckland. Do you have and a website? I'm in an inner suburb of Auckland. Yes. I don't have a website. No, so they'll just have to find uh, you somehow. I think I, I think I can be Googled. Um, <laughs> Good, so yeah, just look I, for Jenny Allison. <laughs> I can be Googled. Auckland's 
I mean, it seems big, but it's not such a big place. No. Yeah, no. Most midwives in central Auckland know, know that I'm there and know who I am. Yes. Wonderful. Because I work Thank quite you. closely with them. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Thank you so much, Jenny. That's really been such a, a joy to finally talk to you and meet you. I read your book many years ago. I think it came out in, is it 2016 or so? So um, yeah, it's, 2016. it's really lovely yeah. to actually talk to you now. Oh, thank you. And thank you, Julia, for the incredible work that you're doing. Oh, my pleasure. And I look I've forward heard all to... about. Yes, good. Well, I look forward to, I hope we can, you know, share and collaborate more in the future. And I really look forward to hearing more yeah. um, of these stories that you're gathering too. So, so keep us posted. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Okay. Thank you Thanks, very much. Jenny. Bye. Okay. Bye. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.